Steve and Tina, we know Steve, he, he grew up here, basically, basically. Tina grew up here, basically, in Africa a while, basically. But uh, they wandered out west and ended up in the Native American tribes and have went from uh, just kind of who, who I am to being honored and being really, uh, they, they know all the big shots and that's because they're both such good people. But if you will, stand up as they come up. Come on up, you guys. Yes, give them a hand. Father, we thank you for these two. And Lord, we just thank you that they're a part of us and all that they're doing. Thank you as they give us a report of what's going on. And I know they're going to bring the word forth also. That's just the way they are. We thank you for lives and, and, and just people being touched by their ministry, Father. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I guess I'm on blue. Good morning, good morning. It is so good to be uh, back home. This is definitely different for me, standing behind the pulpit here. <laughs> I am just going to lay a little bit of foundation, as far as I'm concerned, from me to us. And um, in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 11, as many of you know, God has a plan for each and every one of us. And sometimes we don't know what that plan is, and sometimes we don't see that plan coming. But God knows what his plan is for each and every one of you. And so my story begins uh, in 1979 <laughs> when my parents uh, took the call from the Lord to go to South Africa. And of course, you know, I was four and my brother was five. They didn't ask, hey, do you guys want to go to Africa? You know, it was just, um, you go with your parents. You go where your parents go and you kind of do, you know, what your, your parents um, do and have done. And so that's where it started for me anyways. And so foundation there was laid for us as far as, you know, no running water, no electricity, you know, in our homes. And um, from that, uh, my parents uh, started a, a church in the local community. And um, so for me, growing up as a missionary, it was, it was amazing to see how God worked. It was amazing to see how God met our every need. And like that song, the one song that we sang this morning, it was beyond what we could have of imagined or even have fathomed. And through that walk, we endured a lot of hardships because uh, I came from a mixed family. And we went to South Africa in the heart of apartheid. So I wasn't accepted for my color. My father wasn't accepted for his color. Their marriage wasn't accepted either. But God used that. And I was a part of that. My brother was a part of that. And so it was funny because the other day I, we were just laying in bed and we were talking. And it was just, I was just laying there. And all of a sudden it was just like I saw from where I was to where I am now. And... Um, it's only but God, because, you know, there are many things in our lives that we challenge God with and that we say that we will never do or that we won't do. And so be very careful what you call, what you tell God you will do and what you won't do, because you will find yourself right where you don't want to be. But God blesses you in the midst of, of, of all that. And um, so... Let me open up here, which I should have done while I was up here before, because I have some pointers, because I know I'll squirrel and go off somewhere else where, you know, 
probably don't really need to go. So, um, so my foundation, as far as missionaries were concerned, was set by my parents back in 1979, and I came back in 1999, and my mom and dad came back in in, in 2000, and. So through our journeys in life, you know, I had always said, I never, ever, 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 as a child, we'd come through to Chester because we have family here, we have friends here, and I always said, I never want to live in Chester. I never want to be here. I never want to be apart. Well, God had a different plan. And so in, I think it was 2000, I can't remember, 2006 or 2007, um, through to through circumstances, I wound up coming home because mom and dad um, were at this point pastors here at Grace Church. And um, the amazing thing about this church is when we were in South Africa, I remember when Grace Church supported my mom and dad faithfully every month for years. And so, yeah, and so it is amazing how in full circle how God comes around, and I will get back to that here in, in a moment. And so I vowed that I never wanted to move to Chester, and I moved to Chester. And I also vowed that I never wanted to marry a pastor because I, my parents were pastors. I saw what they went through as pastors, and I was like, I don't, I don't want that for my life, Lord. You know, I want something different. So the Lord, in his infinite humor, uh, decided to bless me with the chief chaplain of the state of Illinois. And his credentials is he's a pastor. So check that off the box, you know. So sometimes, you know, you're like, oh, God, I just can't win here. But he knows what he's doing, and he orchestrates things where you would never think that God would orchestrate things. Um, and I also said that I would never drive a Ford because my ex-husband drove a Ford. And so sure enough, and believe it or not, it's the same color as his was too. So God has a sense of humor in, you know, in in all of that. But um as we were working and we were planning on retiring, Pastor Connie said something to me, and it really didn't hit home to me. But she asked me, she says, once you retire, what is your purpose going to be? And I'm like, travel, go, see, do, enjoy life, you know. And it really didn't sink home until I had, I was retired. And Steve was out, and he was working, and I was at home. And, you know, for the first week, it's like, oh, this is great, da-da-da, second week, third week. I'm like, what am I doing? Because in the morning, when I would get up in the morning, my purpose was coming to work here at church. My purpose was serving pastor, serving Pastor Connie, serving all of you, the needs, orders, um, you know. And so it's the behind scenes here at church that people don't really know about. It's like... You know, in the cupboard when there's cups and there's forks and there's knives and there's spoons, it's not just a magic wand that, boom, they're there, you know, as John knows. <laughs> you know, as far as, like, toilet paper and soap, it's not just there. Holly orders that, you know. And so my purpose was coming into work and serving pastor and serving this church, and so that was, like, my passion and my purpose. And so after we retired, I was laying there in bed one day, and I'm like, God, what, what am I doing? Like, I thought this would be a lot easier than, you know, what I thought it was. And so Steve came home one day, and I said, what are we doing? And he's like, what do you mean? I mean, what, what are we doing? Like, I just got off work. I'm home. You've made dinner. And I said, no, what are we doing? And he's like, I don't know, honey. What are we doing? So, you know... We always think that they can read our minds, but they can't, you know. Maybe we need to be a little bit more explicit, you know. And so I, I said to him, I said, you know, if we don't bite this, this, if we don't do this, we'll, we're never going to do it. We're always going to find excuses why we can't go and do. <clears throat> and so we have books, and they are called uh, Borrowed Offenses. And we've had them in our car for years, and whenever we travel, we would just bless people along the way. And, you know, here's a book. And you know, God bless you, and, you know, it'll, it'll change your life. And so 
We've been doing that for years, and one day we got a call from Vic Porter, the author of the book, and he asked us, he's like, hey, you know, what are you guys doing? And I said, well, we're about ready to go out, you know, on another trip. And he's like, you know, could you stop in Branson on your way and um, just have dinner with us? And so I was like, okay, you know, sure. Actually, no, that's not how that story went. Let me correct that. We were down in Branson, and I said to Steve, I said, honey, I said, we're so close to, to Vic and Robin. I said, we can't be this close and not say hi and, you know, stop in and, and see how they're doing. And he's like, okay. He's like, we'll give him a call. So I gave him a call, and they're like, yeah, sure, we can meet up with you. So we met, we had dinner, and Vic says, hey, I have a question to ask you. And we're like, yeah. And he's like, are you going to New Mexico, and we're like, yeah, we, we are. We're, we're going through New Mexico, and he's like, are you gonna be anywhere close Gallup? And I said, no, not really. We're gonna be in Taos and then work our way down, but you know, I'm sure we can manage it. And then I'm gonna say as well, no, I wasn't part of that conversation either. I was talking to Robin, and Steve was having this conversation with Vic. And um, I was wondering what they were talking about, because Steve's like, yeah, sure, we can do that. And I'm like, what have you volunteered us for now? Like, and so I asked him later, I said, so what are we doing? And he's like, oh, hey, Vic has a couple of books, and he has contacted a, a few Diné pastors, and um, we're going to drop off the curriculum and, and books for them. So I'm like, well, okay. I'm like, that's cool. So... We got into Gallup, and we tried contacting the pastors, and the Holy Spirit said, this is going to be an African experience. And I'm like, okay, what part of it, you know? <laughs> so time is, um, time is time there. They're not ruled by their watch like we are. And so it took us four days to get a hold of this gentleman, and so finally we got a hold of the gentleman. And we went, and I just thought it was going to be a meeting with him and... Um, just him and handing him the books. Well, he had organized for us to sit down with, um, and the gentleman that we talked to, we did not know, was a gatekeeper. And I'm sure Steve will get into more detail about that. And so he had a guy that owns a new um, a radio station there and two other leaders there. And so it was really weird because we're sitting at the table and they're all sitting this side and we're sitting on this side. And I'm like, I've got nothing to say. I'm going to let my husband do all the talking, which is very unusual for me. So I'm sure he was like, then this is a hallelujah moment and I'm going to take full advantage of it. So, um, and so that's how it got started. Well, in November, um, actually September, they had a leaders meeting and it just blew up and just, I we would have never expected it to go where it went. I just thought we're just going to drop off the curriculum and that, you know, that will, that will be it. And, you know, God had other plans. Um, God had other plans for us. But I'm going to wrap this up real quick because I'm going to give it to my husband who's standing behind me so patiently. But I'm going to say this, you know, this church has played a key in our lives for years. And like I said, started with my mom and dad, them supporting my mother and father. My dad, um, before he passed, and that's still a very touchy subject. But as I stand here, my father and mother stand, stood behind this very pulpit giving their testimonies about what God did for them in Africa. And I remember when we bought our trailer, my dad said to me, he said, there's one regret that I have, and that was that we didn't buy a trailer and travel the U.S. because I always wanted to do that. And my mom's dream was she wanted to teach the... Native Americans, and she was never able to do that. And so mantles have been handed down to us through our parents, but not only that, Vic had no clue that my mom always wanted to be able to teach 
And when we were with him in November, he's like, you know, he's like 18 years ago, he's like, I preached at Shiprock. And the Lord just impressed upon my heart that I want to come back and be able to give back to the people. And he's like, I'm old. And he's like, I want to retire. And he's like, me and Robin have really prayed about this. And we really want to know if you and Steve would take this mantle. And I'm telling you, never in a million years would I have ever imagined. But God also knows me, and he knows that if I had given her time to think about it, I would have run, and I wouldn't have done it. And so I want to say, young people, as your parents impart into you, don't ever think that you can't do what it is that God has called them to do. And if it's not fulfilled in them, it can always be fulfilled in you. And, um, and so it was funny because while we were out, Pastor called us and he's like, hey, he's like, are you guys, you know, still doing, you know, uh, Native Nations? And, and we're like, yeah. And he's like, you know, he's like, we would like to support you. And I just, like I said, there's a trickle-down effect. Started with my parents. And I worked here for years, years and years and years and years. And I never thought in a million years that I would be taking something or standing behind this very same pulpit. And I wasn't going to do this today. This very same pulpit that my parents stood behind. And, you know, I stand and I say, man, I wish my dad was here to see this. But I know everything that my parents imparted in me is not what I'm giving forth to others. And it is not about just Native American people. It's about everyone. God died for every single person. And God will use you and give you a purpose to be able to touch lives right here in your own backyard. God just happens to know that I love to travel. And so we call ourselves the gypsies for Jesus. <laughs> and now I'm going to give it to my husband. And I just want to say thank you so much, Pastor and Body, for your prayers and your support. And... Um, it's making a difference, and uh, my husband will explain more of that difference to you. No, you don't get this. <laughs> what my wife didn't share with you is the miracle of, of the last six months. For The, the greatest miracle of the last six months is that we have lived together in an eight-foot-wide, 20-foot-long travel trailer, and she hasn't killed me yet. That is probably the greatest thing in the world, you know, that you can be confined to a cracker box on wheels, you know, and seven days a week, 24 hours a day, and still at the end of the day say, you know, I love you. Well, I'm going to give you a remedial education class real quick. You have to learn this because this is, this is very important and you'll never want to forget this because you never know when you're going to need it, right? Right? Yate Bini. Say with, let's say it again. Yate Bini. What does that mean? Ain't got a clue. <laughs> That's the way I was when I first got to the reservation. Everybody's walking up, yate, brother, yate, penny, yate, penny. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> That's good morning in Navajo, in the, in the language of the Diné people. And so uh, this morning, first of all, I want to extend to you uh, the best wishes and greetings from Vic and Robin Porter, uh, who are so kind and gracious to have given us, through God, this opportunity to 
even share in a deeper way uh, the message of this book called Borrowed Offenses. Of course, I know none of you in here ever get offended, and nobody has ever been offended in this building, so I just carried that whole box of books in here for nothing more than exercise, so I don't have to pay Brad for gym membership. So, uh, on the front seat is a case of books. Please help yourself. There is no charge. They're absolutely free. And uh, we want you to have those and want them to be a blessing to you. So just all we ask is that you take what you need, take what you want, but use them. Pass them out. We pass them out all over the United States. So we left Illinois last November 3rd, and uh, we were headed for Gallup. And we just knew that uh, God was doing something really strange in our life, but we didn't know the scope and the depth and all the fine things of what was going on. But, you know, God orchestrates things kind of behind the scene, and then all of a sudden he reveals things to you, and you wonder, wow, how did that happen? For example, as Tina said, uh, Vic had asked, you know, are you guys going to be going to New Mexico? We said yes, and we got to New Mexico, and little did we know that they had a power team of, of very important individuals amongst the Navajo Nation at Smith's Creek who were going to meet with us, and they were going to question us and talk to us about the curriculum of not only borrowed offenses, but grace for addictions. Whether you know it or not, uh, we have a pandemic uh, within our indigenous nations, and it's not COVID-19. Uh, it's, it's everywhere, and it's called drug abuse. And so fentanyl and heroin and cocaine are just uh, everywhere. And so uh, as we were out and about everywhere we were at, um, you know, we were seeing people dropping over dead and, and you know, hearing of uh, the cartel bringing drugs across the border, and we encountered people coming across the border, you know. Uh, and uh, we've got firsthand experience with our uh, brothers and sisters on the uh, Border Patrol. So that was kind of odd, kind of different. But God... God started showing us that he had a plan and a purpose for us, as Tina said. And God, we were like, God, you know, whatever you want us to do, just tell us. And he said, just, just do as I say when I tell you and trust me. And, you know, isn't it funny how that when God says things like, trust me, it's like, oh, okay. I, I trust you. But then he says, do you really trust me? And I said, my wife said, God, we trust you. But, we threw that but word out there. But God, you know what? You're going to have to supply all our needs. You know, yes, I get Social Security, and yes, I have a pension, but God, if you want us to travel all across the United States doing what you want us to do, you're going to have to meet our needs. You know, it's amazing. We've never wanted for one thing over the last six months, this whole time that we've been doing this, never wanted for a thing. God has always met our needs. He's always met us where we, where we were at. So we left, and we went November 3rd last year to Gallup. We stayed there for a week at Joshua Generation for Jesus Church, and we were blessed to be a blessing to the pastor, Denison, Pastor Corinne Gallegos. And so... Uh, we were preparing ourselves to go on to the Native Nation, or the Navajo Nation. Now, the Navajo, Navajo Nation is unique in, in and of itself. The Navajo Nation is uh, 27,413 square miles. So it's not like you can just, you know, jump in your truck and go to this village or this little town. It's, there's, there's a lot of distance that has to be covered uh, to get to where you want to go to. And God kept saying, I want you to go to this area. And he would mention a place specifically by name. 
And, and in my spirit, I, I would look, I'd, I'd get the maps out and, and we would sit at the table and we would say, where is Dilcon? Well, Dilcon is in one of the most remote access, accessible areas, you know, in, in, in northern Arizona. And then he'd say, I want you to reach out to uh, brothers and sisters in Polaka and names that we were not familiar with. But the Lord was speaking to us. And so I'm going to be sharing with you names and places, and some of them you probably won't know, but understand that God has sent us to places that a lot of people don't go to simply because they're so inaccessible. I'll give you an example. I was praying one night, and I kept hearing, you know, supai, 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 and I'm like, or am I speaking in tongues here? No, I'm not speaking in tongues. What's going on, Lord, you know? And so I, I Google Supai. And sure enough, there's an indigenous nation in, in Supai, Arizona. And so I, you know, get my cell phone out and I'm looking and I'm scribbling through it. And, and it says, uh, oh, access for the mail truck just to get to there is by donkey. It's the only place in the United States where mail is still delivered by donkey. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, we're not going to be able to make that trip. <laughs> so, I, so I called the... <laughs> so as I'm scrolling, I'm looking in, and it's, there's a phone number for the, the office of the elders. And I call and I tell them who we are and what we're doing. And they said, hey, we'd love to have your material. Uh, you know, if you box it up, you know, make sure that the box isn't real big and it isn't real heavy, but just ship it to us, and once we get it, we'll, we'll stay in contact with you. And so that's how it had to work in some of the areas that we went to, because not only did we have the issue of there were places that were so remote that were inaccessible by our four-wheel drive Ford truck, but uh, they, they were only traversable by military-grade vehicles. And so that, that was kind of an interesting obstacle. But as I said, the Navajo Nation is the largest area held by Native American tribes in the United States. And as we, were, as we were sitting in our trailer one night, the Lord spoke to my heart and he says, you know what, do not despise, despise small beginnings. And I said, Lord, what do you mean not to despise small beginnings? He said, well, you're sitting in this little trailer right now and you're wondering what in the world am I doing here? He said, who do you know? And I said, Lord, right at this minute, we don't know anybody. And we're here. And God, I don't know what my next step is. But it was funny because God already knew that. And so God used mom, Pastor Betty, out at Craig Manor to speak to a lady by the name of Violet Feynman, who was a school teacher out in Ellis Grove. And they were talking back and forth, and, and mom was sharing with Miss Violet about hey, Steve and Tina are out in, down in Arizona and they're doing ministry work, you know, with the, uh, with the Native Nations, indigenous people. And Miss Violet says, well, I have a friend that worked for the Bureau of Indian Affairs in Alaska with the Athabascan peoples. And then he moved to Snowflake, Arizona, and then he worked on the Hopi Nation for years in the first Mesa and said, if you go to Snowflake, Arizona, here's his phone number, so we got a phone number and a name, and that was all we had. So we called this gentleman on the phone, and we said, hey, this is Steve Keim, and uh, we have mutual friends, uh, a lady out at, at Craig Manor, Violet Feynman, and he said, oh, yeah, yeah. He said, come by my house, come by my house. said, my wife will fix your dinner, and he said, what is it I can do for you? I said, well... <laughs> God has told us that we're, we're supposed to be ministering here in, in this region. And I said, I don't know anybody. And he said, I can help you with that. And isn't that, isn't that always good when God gives you the help you need? <laughs> well, he gave us one name. And he said, call this pastor and this pastor will hook you up and you will be, you'll be good to go. I said, okay. Sounds too simple, right? It is, and it didn't work that way. So he gave us one name and gave us one phone number. And it's much like Tina said, 
time is not on the nation. Time is not run by your watch. It's, if, it's, if they say 11 o'clock, it might be 11.45, 12.30, you know, there's no rush. Time is time, you know. And so we kept calling and kept calling and kept calling and, you know, this church. And finally one day I get an answer and there's, on the other end I could tell it was an elderly gentleman and he says, this is Brother Edison. I said, well, Brother Edison, my name is Steve. And I said, I'm with Vic Porter Ministries. And I said, uh, we would love to come and, and bring our resources to you. And he said, what are they about? And I explained to him the books and, and such. And he said, well, he said, I, I, I don't want to rain on your parade, but have you heard that we have this thing called COVID? And I'm like, yes. Yes, I, I've heard about COVID-19. He said, well, it's, muted. it's muted, mutating. I said, yes, sir, I, I, I've heard that. And so he said, uh, you can't come here. He said, you can't come here. He said, my sister just died, and we've had a lot of deaths on, on the first Mesa, second Mesa, third Mesa. There, there were lots of deaths from COVID-19. He said, they won't let you in. But he said, would you be so kind as to mail the books to me and the resources? And I said, yes, sir, we will. So we put a package together and off it went in the mail. And we looked at the delivery thing and it was like two weeks. So for two weeks, we had pulled into an RV park. And we were under the assumption, or my wife was under the assumption, and I was under the assumption that we were going to be, uh, what do you call that, snowbirding? <laughs> well, it wasn't snowbirding. It, it, we, in order for us to stay there, we had to agree to do work. And so we, we worked to stay there for free. And then we would minister on, this, you know, you know when, on the days and times when we weren't working. And so we had a very, very pleasant time. Um, with that experience, but that's just one for the books. <laughs> so anyway, uh, two weeks went by, and I called back, and I got a hold of this brother Edison, and he says, "Oh my God, my brother," he said, "I am so glad that you called me." He said, I, I, "I'm 84 years old, and I'm sitting out here on top of my wood pile." He said, "I've been splitting firewood since early this morning." And he said, and it's cold, and he said, and the wind is blowing, and he said, but I want you to know, he said, there's a fire in my heart, he said, because I've read that book, and he said, it's changed my life, he said, I've realized that I am a bitter, hateful, mean old man, and he said, I've went to all my neighbors and apologized, and he said, I just realized that for the first time in my life what an ornery old cuss I am. And I said, well, <laughs> praise God, that's good. <laughs> He said, yes, and my wife loves it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm a different man. I said, that's great. That's great. I said, I'm so happy to hear that. He said, would you do me a favor? I said, yes. He said, will you, will you mail me 10 more books? I said, well, can, is there a chance that we can drive them up? No, no, my brother, I explained to you about the COVID. He said, we can't because of the COVID. He said, they won't let you through the roads. I said, okay. So we shipped him another 10 books, had to wait two weeks, called back in two weeks, and he said, my brother, you're never going to believe what happened. And he said, I'm so excited to report to you. He said that as I gave the books out in church, he said, that we have, we're only supposed to meet in groups no more than five. Now imagine this. What if, what if the government told you, you can only have five people in your church and no more? No more. Maximum capacity, five. He said, but we had 10 people in church, and I passed out all 10 books. And he said, the next week I come back to church, and he said, I, I'm, I'm talking to everybody. And he said, nine out of 10 that read the book said they were so blessed and so excited, you know, to receive the books. He said, but one brother got offended. <laughs> I said, how did that work? He said, he's not happy. I said, well, you know, stuff happens. What are we going to do? I said, but, you know, I said, it's all good. He said, well, my brother, he said, I tell you, I don't know what's going to happen. He said, but God is using that book here. He said, and he said, I, I'm going to give you some more names.
of other places and other people. And that's how God opened the door for us because we went there by faith, trusting God, believing that God would lead and direct and guide our paths and direct our steps. And so we never imagined what would happen uh, once we got into Arizona. But through it all, as we were ministering and traveling throughout uh, Arizona and New Mexico, uh, COVID was a, was a grim, grim reminder everywhere we went. And so we were actually on the Yavapai Apache. We drove to the Yavapai Apache Nation down at Camp Verde one day. And uh, I had talked to the pastor and he said, uh, we'll get together sometime, but he didn't say when. He just was kind of vague. And so we were going to go see a friend and, and take her to lunch. And, and we said, well, we'll just take a drive and we'll go to see if we can get on the reservation. So we went to the cultural center and it's big sign, huge sign. It said, uh, closed to the public indefinitely. I said, okay. We looked at each other and said, well... I guess we'll have to leave. So we headed out, and there's a sign that says, it says, uh, uh, police, this way. Reservation, this way. And I said, babe, let's just go this way. And I said, if we get stopped by the police, we'll just turn around and go back. So we drove through the reservation, and we found the church. And so... It was, it was very interesting. We met Dr. John Watson over the phone, called him sitting there in the truck, and he said, my brother, he said, where are you at? And I said, we're very close. <laughs> Literally, we were a stone's throw away. And uh, he said, uh, I would really love to meet you guys. He said, but I can't because of the restrictions. He said, would, would you... Would you help us out? And I said, just tell me what you need. He said, well, whatever you're giving away, he said, we want. And I said, okay. And that happened a lot to us simply because of COVID-19. But in the midst of all this, and, and I don't want to paint a grim picture, but it was an, it was an obstacle that w had to be addressed and an obstacle that we had to overcome. And a realization that we had to come to was that that... People were, get, people were sick and people were dying every day, you know. And when you go to the reservation or reservations, uh, poverty is, 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 is primary. I mean, no running water. It's like Tina said, you know, in Africa. You know, it's hard to imagine in 2022 that 400,000 people living in the United States a large majority have no running water. They have no electricity. The land on the Navajo Nation in, in one particular area is the site of the largest nuclear waste spill recorded in the United States, history of the United States. They, uh, as I understand uranium mining, they, they pump this sludge stuff into a pit and they cover it with water and the dam broke and over 900,000 gallons of this yellow cake radioactive stuff spilled over into the land, into the water tables, killed off livestock, killed people, um, has made the land in, uninhabitable. And so that was another issue that we would be faced with was you know, learning to minister to people who are hurting, people who are sick because of man-made, you know, out of, out of greed for the money and for the uranium, they created a situation which made the land uninhabitable, literally just destroying thousands and thousands and thousands of lives. Yeah, another situation that we encountered is murdered, missing, and indigenous women. And 
I don't know if you've ever heard about this or not, but I, every Monday morning, we'd have a Zoom meeting with the president and the vice president of the Navajo Nation. And pastors would get on, and we would all talk, and, and it kept coming up and kept coming up. And the area between where we were at in Gallup all the way back to Albuquerque is a very hot spot for people being abducted, people being murdered, people just going up missing and never being found. So keep that on your prayer list. It's called MMIW, Miss, Missing Murdered Indigenous Women. But days went into weeks and weeks went into months and eventually we saw Ephesians 3, 20 through 21 begin to be fulfilled. Ephesians 3 says this, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church, by Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ever ask or think. And it started with a phone call. We got a phone call one night, and one of the pastors, Pastor Mark Thomas, called us. And he said, my brother, he said, I'm going to a meeting. Can you be ready in 15 minutes? Uh, I'm like, uh, yeah, but I smell pretty bad right now. I've been out in the sun all day, and yes, I'll be ready. So we run, get a shower, get dressed, and take off, and we go to a, we go to a pastor's meeting. Now, you'd think that pastor's meetings are, are held in churches, right? And not necessarily so. We met in a big piece of land, and they were building houses on the land, very small houses. There was no water on the land. There were no, there was no, well, they, I take that back. They did have a, a restroom facility, uh, but it wasn't in the house, and it wasn't connected to water. You know, it's kind of like stepping back in time. And so the one brother comes over and he says to me, he says, if you need the facility, the facility is over there. You see that house? <laughs> gotcha, bro. You know? And here we were all out in the middle of the desert, cactus, you know, sagebrush, hot, sticky, and just everybody just praising the Lord. And it was through the kindness extended towards us by a number of pastors, Pastor Mark Thomas, Pastor Eddie Rodriguez, Pastor Dennis Gallegos, and some, many, many others. Even the Vice President of the, of the Navajo Nation, Myron Lizer, that we begot, we we were introduced to people who were key players within the Navajo Nation who were pastors. And by that introduction, God began to open doors. And as God began to open doors, he opened. There were, there were weeks where we were speaking three times a week. And uh, bless my wife's heart, you know, she'd be... Uh, She'd be in scrubbing toilets or taking out the trash, and I'd be in doing sermon notes and preparation for that night's service. And uh, what I'm saying is this, is that, you know, if you can dream it, God can make it happen. And if God places something on your heart, if you trust God enough to step out and just say, God, not my will, but thy will be done, God will take you up on your, he'll take you up on your offer. So the doors have been opened. And as, as we begin to interact with more and more pastors, we were getting calls from, from pastors and saying, hey, uh, we're, we're a new church and we need help 
and we don't understand what does this what does this kind of stuff mean that you know we have to be the the Navajo uh, the state of New Mexico says we have to be chartered it means we have to have bylaws we have to have you know all these papers the pastors were calling us and asking us these things and saying you know will you help us and it was amazing we were sitting with pastors on a regular basis you know explaining and helping and and then it's a, it's a different feeling when God flips a script, you know, and you're used to being in, you know, listening to the pastor. And somebody calls you and says, hey, pastor. And I'm like, Flip, just call me Steve. You know, I'm just Steve. Yeah, but will you help me? Yes, I'll help you. You know. And I'm sure you've heard about this, but years back, Billy Graham prophesied that when some, at some time in the future that the native, the indigenous peoples of the United States would awaken like a sleeping giant and that revival would break forth. <clears throat> and revival is coming to the indigenous nations and to the indigenous people. And they're very sweet people, very loving and very giving people. But you know, the thing of it is, is that, like many of us, you know, how many, how many in here has ever been lied to by Satan? Well, you know, I, I, I don't mean any disrespect to anybody, but you know, if you're Caucasian and you're dealing with people who are indigenous or native, you, they've probably been lied to by someone who looked similar to us. And it, it's taken six months of us just being ourselves with everybody that we're with. And, and, and I get it. I know I'm not everybody's cup of tea, <laughs> you know? And uh, literally for some, I'm not, I'm not even in the cup. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Or some of it, you know. But God has blessed us to meet and develop relationships with pastors and members of the body of Christ on tribal nation reservations in many native communities. And as I said, some in some of the most remote parts of Arizona and New Mexico, in little towns in Arizona like Dilcon, which is way up in the, in the middle of nowhere, Polaca, Polaka sits on, uh, is, here you have the, this big circle, and that is the Navajo Nation, and inside the Navajo Nation is another little circle, and that's the Hopi Tiwa Nation, and that's where Polaka and uh, Kim's Canyon and Kayenta are at. And so, uh, very, very remote. Supai, the place where they get their mail by donkeys, We've been blessed to, uh, to bless pastors in Gila Bend, Arizona, Young, Arizona, Tapawa, Peach Springs, Fort Wingate. And it's just a partial listing of, of the places that where we've, we've been, been and have blessed the pastors. But, you know, I know the names don't mean anything to you because you, you can't picture them in your head. But these are real people. They have all the same feelings that you have, that I have, the same needs, the same wants, the same desires, and God loves them with all his heart. And they're seeking and searching, and they're, they're, they're you know, it's crazy because on so many reservations, you know, the, the largest church may be the Mormon church. It may be the Jehovah Witness church. But you know what? We're blessed to be able to say, you know what, we're here, we're here to serve, we're here to share the word, and God's opened the doors for us to do that. You know, so you say, well, those places that you talk about, who are the people that you have served? And this is just a, an overview. We've served the people on the Navajo Nation, the, the Dene people, 
the Hulapai tribe, the Havasupai tribe, which is the group of people down in the gorge of the Grand Canyon who get their mail by donkey, the Hopi nation, the Zuni nation, the Kabi Paiute tribe, the Yavapai Apache tribe, the White Mountain Apache tribe, the Tohono O'odham nation, and the Fort Mojave Indian tribe. Those are a few of the tribal nations that we've been able to physically reach out and bless with the Word of God. And so God's doing something. He's doing something, and he's, he's using two people who are flawed, two people who have no pretenses other than we're just here to love you, we're here to bless you, and we're here to serve you. And so in saying that, uh, God has honored what we have been able to accomplish over the last six months. And six months is not long unless you're living in a eight by 20 foot trailer. <laughs> and then it becomes a little bit longer, <laughs> you know. So, but uh, we've actually uh, driven to Klamath, uh, California on the coastline uh, and spent time with Pastor Bob Rogers on the Yurok Nation. Uh, one of the largest tribal nations on, on, the, on the coast of California. Uh, we've been extended uh, the invitation in September to go to Wind River Reservation, which is in Riverton, uh, Wyoming, uh, to uh, be with Pastor Sarah and Jason, um, who are pastors on the Shoshone and Arapaho Reservation there in Wind River. We'll be going there. Um, from there, we're crossing back into Utah. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be back with the Ute Nation. And then we're going to come full circle, and we're going to end up back up in Gallup. Uh, we'll be joining with Vic Porter and uh, Pastor Bob Yandian. Uh, Pastor Bob Yandian is going to be a keynote speaker uh, this year, along with Vic and Pastor Lenny Fincher and uh, uh, they're going to conduct the second annual uh, Native Nations Pastors Conference. And so I imagine Tina and I will probably be doing the book table like we did last year. And so we'll be in the back passing out books and stuff to the pastors and praying with people, and it's been such a blessing. I want to share with you just a little bit about New Mexico, <clears throat> and it's 1042. How are we? Okay, all right, I just, I'm not going to be too long. But um, while we were in New Mexico, um, we've developed a relationship with Tina's other sister. She'd, she had a sister that she didn't know about. Her name is Monica Sanchez, and uh, her and her brother, Victor. Victor's a little guy. He's uh, right at seven foot and about 400 pounds. And uh, he's, uh, he's just, he is so funny. But uh, they have uh, opened their doors to us and said, you know, while you're here in New Mexico, why don't you just come and stay in the spare rooms, you know, and, and you can come and go. And we've developed a, a very very good relationship with them. And through Monica, we've been, uh, you know, it's amazing how, as the body of Christ, sometimes we don't get things done because we don't interact with one another. You know, there's a, there's a thing called networking. You know, it's like you network with people with other Airbnbs, right? You, you're a network of Airbnbs. Well, by networking with people, we have been hooked up with a, with a group out of Pomona, California called From Gangs to Grace. Bishop Eddie is the pastor over the From Gangs to Grace churches, and it's a bunch of old school gangsters. And uh, these have all been, guys and gals have all been saved and born again. And uh, they go out and they reach people by 
they have their car shows and they preach and teach Jesus and sing and it's uh, it's it's amazing and uh, through the relationships that God has built for us uh, we've reached out to Pastor Michael and Yolanda Conti in California and the Contis <clears throat> their pastor is Pastor Larry Lee there's a name that you might remember from Rockwall Texas years back I remember you know, growing up in the Lord and listening to Pastor Larry Lee and, and his messages. So that's been, that's been amazing. But God has opened up many, many doors. And uh, one of the doors that I'm very excited about is just having the accessibility to interact with, with past, not only the pastors, but leaders in government. As some of you may have heard there is the f for the first time ever legislation there's 400,000 people that live on the Navajo Nation three individuals on the Navajo Nation had a bill wrote up and submitted it for legislation and it was on same-sex marriage and they wanted to have the Diné Marriage Act repealed and so Three people are now trying to force the remaining 399,000, you know, I've, I'm not good with math on, on the fly, but three out of 400,000, okay? And you know what? If we're not careful, they're going to get that passed. And so we were blessed to have an opportunity to preach and to share why why we needed as pastors, why we needed to take a stand. And, and, and uh, Pastor Dennis Gallegos and Pastor Corrine Gallegos gave me the opportunity to speak. And it came out in the paper, they said, you know, the only reason that these people did not vote to support this bill was, be, number one, because they were Christians and they believed in a Bible. You know, folks, you can call yourself a Christian all day long, but you know, that doesn't mean anything unless you're living the life of a Christian. If you're not bearing the fruit of a Christian, you're, you're deceiving yourself. And you know what? I've done that. I've been there, done that. You know, having a form of godliness, going through the religious things and doing the religious things, you know, checking off all of my little boxes, dotting my I's and crossing my T's, but I'm telling you, it's a whole lot different when you fall in love. When you fall in love with Jesus and you fall in love with the people that Jesus loves and Jesus loves everyone and Jesus' desire, God's desire is that no man should perish but that everyone should come unto everlasting life. So, I had the opportunity. So I got, got up that night to speak and I made the comment and I said, you know, folks, the newspaper said it's because you, you, you signed the petition against this bill because you were a Christian. And I said, that's only partially true. And it's, I said, then on the other part, it said, because you, because you believe in a Bible. I said, you know, there's all kinds of Bibles in this world. But there's one thing that doesn't change. This Bible contains what God said. And the reason that we take such a hardline stand against this this proposed legislation is because God said it was an abomination. It's not what a Bible says, it's what God, the one and only God said. And you know, <laughs> we were surprised. The, the messages were taped, you know, and neither Tina nor I gave any thought to it, and I'm closing here. 
we, we didn't think anything about it. And Pastor Mark took me out one day and introduced me to a man who is very prominent in the Navajo Nation and his name. Pardon? No. <laughs> I'll, I'll think of it here in a second. I can't. Perry Charlie. Reverend Perry Charlie. Um, Reverend Perry Charlie was at one time one of the most prominent and powerful medicine men on the Navajo Nation and at that time was one of the youngest Navajo medicine men. And they said, you know, that his medicine was very powerful until he met Jesus Christ. And now 50 years later, he still, he, 50 years, going back 50 years, he's been serving Jesus the last 50. And he encouraged Tina and I at a pastor's meeting at a little restaurant called Earl's with, with a bunch of pastors. He said, don't give up and don't quit. He said, don't quit. And he said, don't be discouraged by what you think you see and what you think you hear because you're making a difference. He said, people are beginning to recognize you and know who you are. And we're looking at each other like, how, how is that possible? We're, you know, we're in... We're not always in one place at the same time. He said, no, because of your preaching over the last number of weeks over the television. He said, people are watching you. And we're like, oh, okay. You know, so we just took that and put it in our back pocket and said, okay, Lord, you know, what, whatever you want, you know, just show us what we're supposed to do. Long story short, and I'm closing. The day before we were ready to pack up and head back to Illinois, I'd preached three times that week and had preached on Sunday, Sunday morning. And so Tina and I were in a mad dash to get our trailer ready to come back to Illinois. We were getting the truck prepared, getting hooked up, getting the black tanks emptied, all that kind of stuff that comes with owning a little trailer. And so we were busy. And this little car come flying around the building. And this lady jumps out and runs around the car and grabs this child out of the car. And I'm thinking, what in the world's going on? But it's none of my business. I'm going to stand back here and watch, you know. And I watch for a couple of seconds. And then Pastor Corinne, she's a very small lady. They call her Pastor Pee-wee. <laughs> so Pastor Pee-wee comes up and she says, uh, there's a lady over here that wants to talk to you. So I said, Tina, <laughs> there's a lady over here that wants to talk to you. <laughs> and uh, she said, no, she wants to talk to both of you. And this lady said, um, I've been watching you guys over the last couple weeks. And she said, I drove an hour and a half from my house to come down to see you. And she said, I want to thank you for the word, words that you brought over the last several weeks. She said, it is, it is blessed, it is challenged, it has caused me to think, it's caused me to repent. But they've been a blessing. And then the lady handed us a, a handful of something, you know, and a handful, and it was money. And she said, I just, want, I just want you to know how much I appreciate you. And we were just kind of like, who drives an hour and a half? Pastor, when was the last time you had somebody drive an hour and a half just to come say, you know, hey, you know, <laughs> not in my world. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I don't, I, Pastor Dennis come out and said, what happened? I said, this lady drove an hour and a half. He said, she what? I'm like, yeah. I can't believe it. And it's not us. It's not us. Because there's nothing that Tina and I can do except just be humble and, and keep a right heart and serve God the best we know how. And that's why we need you guys to pray for us. Please continue to pray for us as we go back out. And uh, there's a lot to do. There's a lot to do. In the scope of the great picture, if you take the Mississippi and go west 
and you take into account all the indigenous nations and tribes, you know, I would like to think that I, will I would live long enough to see and, and go and to be able to speak to each and every one, but that, that's, that's God's business, not mine. But it's been an honor and a privilege to represent Grace Bible Church. It's been an honor and a privilege to represent Vic Porter Ministries. It's been our honor and privilege to pass out these books over the last, what, what on seven years we've been doing this? Six years? Six years, you know, every time we go through the Sam's Club to get gas, you know, the attendant comes out and we give one to the attendant. One day we were standing there and the gentleman pulled up and he had a license plate on his car and he says, God is my co-pilot. And I thought, hmm. So I walked back and I said, sir, I take it that you're a Christian. He said, yes, I am. I said, well, may I ask you a question? And he said, are you a Christian? I said, yes, sir. He said, what's your question? I said, why is God your co-pilot? And he said, what do you mean by that? I said, well, why would God not be your pilot? He looked at me and stared at me and he said, I've never thought about it like that. I said, well, I just was curious. I said, I've got a little gift I want to give you. And I walked back up to the, the truck and Tina always has these under the seat. And I walked back and handed him a book and I said, be blessed. Well, then there come the man from the Sam's Club that run the gas pumps. And he come with two bottles of water and he's running up there and he said, hey, what did you give? What'd you give him? What'd you give him? And I said, I gave him a book. Would you like a book? He said, yes. So I gave him a book. Well, then as I was walking back to our truck, there was a, a lady on the opposite side of the pump and she rolls her window down and she says, and she was an older lady. And she said, hey, baby. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, what you passing out? I said, it's a book about Jesus and, 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 and how not to be offended by people. She said, I need one of those. <laughs> so we have a lot of fun. We have a lot of, lot of good times. Um, we covet your prayers. We thank you for, our prayer, for your prayers. Thank you for your support. God bless you all. Help yourself to the books on the seat. Take whatever you can use. They're from Vic Porter and Robin Porter. God bless you, Pastor. Thank you so much.